Welcome back, everyone, to After the Sermon Ends. We know that after the sermon ends, the conversations begin. Today, I am joined by Marcus Donaldson and our good friend, Matthew Miner. Welcome back, Matthew. I'm glad to be here. Yep, yep. How how are you doing today? You guys have a good Labor Day? Yeah, didn't do a thing. It was great. Same here. (laughs) I I was up all night cooking barbecue. Yep. Hey, man. College football started back this weekend, so it's been a good week, but... The best part of our weekend was the dog Sunday's game. message, oh. actually. Okay. Yes, yeah, Sunday's message. Which Marcus preached. And I know we like to uh, poke fun a little bit and point out the length of the message from time to time. But most of the time we do that because it's long. But this one was particularly brief. Um, I don't know how long exactly it was, but did you did you expect to have a, a more brief message going into it this past Sunday, Marcus? Um, yeah, so... Th- I knew um, by Friday that it was going to be short, and Matthew and I were just talking in this section, it's probably best to stay shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason to draw out what Jesus says very simply and clearly. Now, that doesn't mean that we're we're not going to dig in and dive deeper, but yeah, I mean, I knew Friday that it was going to be short. So, with without it being too short, right? Because I think just because it's simple and short and to the point— uh, doesn't mean that we have to be short, simple, and to the point. It right. just means that we should try to stay close to that as best we can because if we don't, we just throw obstacles in our way. Yeah, and I'm just realizing that we haven't even referenced the uh, the actual passage yet, yeah. uh, but we're talking about Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 12. The, the title of the section is Ask and It Will Be Given. So why don't you give us a quick recap from Sunday's message, Marcus? Yeah, Matthew 7, 7 through 12, we see the, the very incredible promise that we have in prayer that the omnipresent the omniscient the uh which one haven't i said the omnipotent god right so all powerful all present or ever present and all knowing god when we ask when we seek when we knock when we pray persistently and expectantly that he promises to answer our prayers that's a great promise and then we see an incredible rule uh there in verse 12 which is actually part of this section um, but that doing to others what we would have them do to us. So we see a great promise and a great rule here in this passage, and we're reminded of the privilege of prayer and the challenge of treating others the way that we want to be treated. Right, right. Uh, Matthew, are you going to correct Marcus on his pronunciation, or are you just going to give us your thoughts on what the was message? What I say? Omnipotent. Yeah, omnipotent. Oh, no, I was laughing because I was waiting for him to say Cosmic Sugar Daddy, like he did five times on Sunday. What do you say, omnipotent? Yeah, omnipotent. Yeah, omnipotent. Uh, omnipotent is also I love that pronunciation, correct. though. What? Omnipotent is also technically correct. Same oh, thing. Interesting, I'm learning something new. Yeah, today. if you look in the dictionary, it has both. Omnipotent is um, correct. Omnipotent. Okay, well, why don't you give us your thoughts, Matthew? Um, I agree with Marcus where it's, this is a quite short and concise passage that, if you take out of context, can be utterly devastating. Because as Marcus said on Sunday, it very much can be like you think you have a cosmic sugar daddy with a blank check that will just give you any desire that you wish. When in James um, 4 verse 3 tells us that this is actually, he will only grant desires of which God has already willed. So he won't grant our desires to come rich and famous unless it's part of his will. But at the same time, that does not mean that we should be no less persistent and asking and uh, seeking and receiving. Right, yeah. So let's just jump into that that first verse there of 
um, I, I want to kind of highlight the the asking, the seeking, and the knocking. Was, was there like a particular significance between those three words? Like, is there uh, a difference in emphasis, or are they kind of all pointed to the same thing? Well, they're they're all verbs. They're all in the present tense, and they're all imperatives. Mm-hmm. So we get the idea that it's ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. So that's where we get that persistent language. But then with these three imperative verbs, that means that they're verbs of command, um, which we see this escalating scale of um, expect or persistence, right? Yeah. So you begin with asking, and then it gets a little more serious because you're seeking, then it gets a little more serious because you're knocking. So other than that, these three verbs of command, these three present tense verbs, I mean, there we could probably make a, a really wild like spiritual analogy, but I mean, we see it time and time and time again. Jesus was talking about seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew six thirty three, so he returns to that theme of seeking in the context of prayer, and we see this escalating scale of persistence. Yeah, when I was reading through that section, um, it kind of led me also to. Uh, Luke chapter 11, which is the uh, a corresponding uh, ask and you will yep. receive, seek and you will find, and knock and it will be open to yep. you. But before that, it gives a really interesting, uh, I guess, scenario parable of, um, I'll just read it out. Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 5, like, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Verse eight, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, which is also persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And so that that rising level of of persistence there, um, you know, it's 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 powerful for us to, to know that the persistence persistence of our prayers also has a role. It's not about, you know, how fancy we can say it or how much power we put behind it necessarily, but the the power can be in the persistence. And, you know, if this guy is getting up and giving him the, the, the loaves of bread or whatever, because of this guy's persistence, like how much more will the good father of, of God give us the things that we need in our, in, in our time because he loves us. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of Revelations three twenty. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I, I will come into him and he will dine with me and I will dine with him. And it's one of those that Jesus uses this expression of knocking quite often. But this is before the days of alarm clocks and really any timekeeping method beyond knocking on the door and going, "Hey, yup." Yeah. <laughs> and so Jesus is also persistent in his knocking. Jesus commands us to do nothing that he himself would not do. And so this is a great example of him doing so. Yeah, and, and one more uh, kind of corresponding thing there. It, it's not necessarily about knocking, but I was also led to the, the parable of the persistent widow with, with this persistence. Uh, she's going to this, this judge who, who's not righteous and he doesn't fear God or man, yet she continually goes and is seeking justice from this judge. And that's because she she knows that the only source of justice that she can get is from this judge. She doesn't have any other source of it. And so for us, we have to make sure that, that we know the source of our provision is God and that he's the one that we need to go to and not from anything else where 
you know, we, we pray and we ask God for something over here and then we go and try something else over here to get what we want. But we have to, you know, make sure that, that our faith is set and we are fully convinced that, that God is the one that, that we can go to. Um, and then even though this guy wasn't a righteous judge, he still gave in because of her persistence. Same, same thing the, with the, with that last story of the persistence. So, um, it, it takes us being fully convinced of who God is in our lives as well. And so leading into those, those next couple of verses, what about the, the good father and, and asking rightly or wrongly, which you're pointing out in your message did, what, what, which part of those uh, stood out to you when you were speaking? So you're talking about verses nine through 11. Yeah. Yeah. In verses nine through 11, Jesus teaches us to, to pray expectantly. So we see pray persistently. Then we see pray expectantly. And he uses another lesser to greater argument, right? We see this, um, these earthly fathers who Jesus is comparing the heavenly father to. And he, he very clearly says that a loving earthly father who's inherently evil knows how to give good gifts to his children, right? He, asked for a loaf of bread and he's not going to give him a stone, right? The The Greek implies an emphatic no, like no earthly father would do that. The same with a, a fish, but the uh, would give him a serpent. And again, an emphatic no implied in the Greek. So lesser to greater, if these evil earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children when they ask, how much more will our good heavenly father give to his children who ask him? And I think we see two or at least two pretty important distinctions here, at least for me. And I mentioned it uh, just briefly. I didn't want to, you know, you're looking at rabbit hole and you're like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> um, but um, he, he says that if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children in verse 11, how much more will your father who is in heaven uh, give good things to those who ask him? So when we're, when we're talking about the depravity of man, Right, not that men can't do good things, but that they can earn no merit, no uh, good standing before God in their own power and strength. That they won't seek after God. That they won't. I mean, we could go on and on. Right, this is the rabbit hole. But if we're looking for some clear evidence in um, maybe less uh, popular places, I think this is one. If then you who are evil, right? Jesus is talking to his disciples. You who are evil, inherently wicked, fallen, depraved, um, know how to give good gifts to your children. And then, again, he says, your father. So we know, and we're it's reinforcing that, yeah, he's talking to his his disciples who who call God father. They've been born again, adopted into the family, or, in, yeah, into the family of God. And um, because he's their father, right, he's a, a loving father, this is that argument, He's going to give good gifts to his children when they ask, just like our earthly fathers do, right, right. who love and care for us. Obviously, there are some limits to that um, comparison. So on, on the earthly end. Yeah. I think you can also see this section as an example of God's sense of humor. I mean, me and uh, Marcus were talking about this after service, about how much God must have a huge sense of humor because of how many times Jesus uses sarcasm or uses a rhetorical joke, um, and then how often it is when you are preaching or teaching on a section of text, the thing that you need to apply has will happen during the week in yep. the most comical way. Typically, it's it's one of those that it just it makes me laugh all the time. 
But back to the text, the uh, the whole concept of a father giving a piece of stone <laughs> to a kid <laughs> that's asking for a loaf of bread is like a dad that gives their son a jawbreaker and just to see their teeth break. Right. Yeah, and, and one one thing I also noticed from some of like from this text and a, a commentary I was reading was saying it's like it's also important for the the person who is asking to be asking rightly. Like in this scenario, it's kind of assumed that they're asking for the right things, but we all know like with kids, they they don't always ask for the, the the things that they need, and in those cases, the parents, being a good parent, won't give them those things. Um, you know, going back to the the James passage you were talking about earlier, you you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. But in this, they're asking for for bread, they're asking for uh, for fish, for things that they need, and and if we go to God and we ask for the things that we need according to His will and according to his power, that that's what we will receive. Yep. But if we ask for things that, you know, we don't particularly need, maybe we need to reevaluate what we're asking for. Yeah, that's, I mean, Labor Day was a good example. Yesterday, Mason and John just ate breakfast, and apparently it's time for dessert. It's like, <laughs> no, no, like go outside, play, let's eat lunch. Then, you know, after dinner, yeah, you can have some snacks and stuff like that, but if I allowed them to continuously fill themselves up on snacks, well, they would eat nothing but junk food. Right. And the problem is they wouldn't know that that's not good for them until, um, until it was too late. Yeah. Right. A couple hours later. Yeah. Well, hopefully a couple hours later, that'd be or great. A couple years later. Yeah, exactly. And, and at that point, those habits are reinforced where right. it's like bad eating and drinking habits and stuff like that. So, and it's especially with like that example, I, I'm, Personally, I'm going through a journey to try to correct a lot of that, and that is not a simple journey. No. No, so as a as a loving father, and obviously Ariel does the same thing, my wife, but we we don't want to we don't want them not to be able to enjoy snacks. Like that's why we buy them and, you know, allow them to eat them and stuff like that. You know, we're not that family that's like you can't have soda that you're going to, you know, die and like you know, it's anything well snacks are fine in moderation, but it's also about timing and we have to allow them to fill themselves up with good things, um, what they need before we give them all this extra stuff. Right. Right. And that, that's just another separation from that cosmic sugar daddy analogy where in, if, if we're going according to that analogy, the, the sugar daddy will give them anything that they want anytime they ask where a good father will withhold some bad things that we're asking for. Yeah. Or, or even good things that we're going to use wrongly. Right. Exactly. It, it's like money. It, it could be a great tool and resource used to, to edify or to glorify God, to, to grow the, uh, to grow the kingdom. Right. It could be yep. used as a great resource, but if you would have gave, if you would have given me a billion dollars, right, right. Like an unlimited supply of money at 20 years old, I'd probably be, be dead. And however I spent that money would definitely not glorify God. Right. Now, if God, for whatever reason, blessed me with that much money now, I still think that I would still fall short, but it would be a lot better um, than if you gave me that money at a really young age. So, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. It's like a good father definitely withholds bad things, but he also withholds, um, I think, good things that we don't necessarily need yeah. because of our maturity, because of our walk, our spiritual condition, whatever it is. Um, for our good and his glory. Yeah. Yeah. The, the key thing 
there with the, I don't know exactly what verse it is, but it's like ask according to his will. Yeah. John, um, John five, four, John five, first John five fourteen, And Great. this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Awesome. Thank you for that. I, I needed to remember that, but yeah, it, it has to be according to his will. And as we, as we are drawn to him and as we grow closer to him, grow in him, grow in our knowledge of the word, like we're going to decipher that will a whole lot more and, and we'll be able to discern the good things to ask in the times that they need to be asked for. And so kind of transitioning into this final part, I did want to uh, get your thoughts. You, you kind of explained it in the message, but what connects verse 12 to, to this section? Or I know you said that there's a, a therefore or so, uh, so there's a so there, which connects it to the whole passage um, to the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, but what connects verse 12 specifically to, to this section? Well, it is the so, right? The If I give a, a if I teach something and then I say so, mm-hmm. or a therefore, uh, we know that it's a it's an application drawn from whatever precedes it. And in this case, this idea that we're, uh, just like the golden rule, we're talking to God about his good, his good gifts. Um, sorry, not the golden rule, but the uh, two great commandments. We're right. love God and loving our neighbors. Because if we love God first, that's the only hope that we have to love our neighbors as ourselves. But it starts with God. It starts vertically, then moves horizontally. The, I think we see the same thing in this principle. The so is the, I guess, maybe the, the more conclusive evidence, but what we see is talking to God about his good gifts. And then from there, because we, we have this vertical connection to God that allows just like the um, two great commandments, it allows those horizontal relationships uh, us to carry them out the way that the Lord calls us to. And what I think is really interesting, sorry if this moves beyond your question, but we talked a little bit about uh, this principle being in every other world religion except it's taught in the negative. And just to make that simple, we see Jesus say, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Positive, do and do. In other religions, it's it's taught don't and don't. If you don't want people to do it to you, don't do it to them. This reminds me a lot of a a VBS that we did um, here at CMC. We, um, it was Abermeel and Lauren Burkhalter that were, in the scene together, and the um, Lauren starts off the scene by saying the uh, the line, um, "I an eye for an eye, Old Testament Luke," and Abram responds, "Well, what about um, turn the other cheek, New Testament?" This is very much more people want the eye for the eye than want to forgive their fellow brothers and sisters yep. and live according to what they how they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I think it taught in the in the positive principle, like Matthew's talking about it, it it's it's not reactive right so it yeah christianity is is defined by what we don't do but it's also defined with what we do and here it's teaching us and this transcends all the other religions it's what do we do towards others yeah not not just not simply turning the other cheek but like how are we relating to not just our brothers and sisters in christ but everyone around us um, and that's something that makes Christianity unique, but it it's because of that vertical relationship that's reconciled first. Mm-hmm. So, right, and I think there's a there's a connection too between like the verse right preceding it of 
you know, how much more will your father who is in heaven give you these good things to those who ask him? And then it's immediately going after that to, you know, so do to others as you would have them do unto you. And so because we have a father who gives good things and, and cares for his children, like that gives us the ability, like you're saying, Marcus, to, to do good unto others rather than just, you know, holding on to what we have and, and just being the, the nice people that don't do bad things right. to people. Right. And pursuing it to your point. The, um, another thing that I mentioned a lot longer than I wanted to is because I'm, I love little things in the Bible like this, but we see uh, at the end of verse 12, it says, for this is the law and the prophets. And that's what, what kind of started this section of Jesus's um, exposition on the law. And we see that it end here. And before our Bibles were enumerated and had headings that were created by these Bible translation yeah. committees and everything else, that's how the readers would have understood, okay, he's starting, he's stopping something. Yeah. This is where this section ends. Now we have the privilege of that, but I think I have um, an ESV as well. That's Crossway, the one that you have? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, so I, I think mine is Crossway as well. But anyways, that's not the point. The The point is translators aren't, necessarily perfect and this is relatively minor right? right we we know from the so and everything else um that it belongs to that preceding passage and like you're saying even sequentially when we're talking to god about good gifts when we receive good gifts from god well we imitate that in those um horizontal relationships mm-hmm. so all that to say this is the end there there are a few subtle hints um and I just like to nerd out on those sometimes. Yeah. So so you're saying this is the, the closing of the Sermon on the Mount? No, no, no. This is oh. the, the end of Jesus talking about um, the law. The, his exposition of the law. He started that in, I think it was 517. I gotcha. Yeah. And it was 517? I'm pretty sure it was. But to your point, even if you didn't have that context of the so you should be able to see that he, this final section culminates all of the law into this one statement. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's because it makes those constant callbacks to the earlier ones. Yep. So um, like I said about turning the other cheek, that is, that is summed up in treat others as you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, yeah, 517, do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Now he's teaching on uh, on the law, his exposition of it, right? And we went through anger, we went through lust, divorce, oaths, retaliation, love your enemies, giving to the needy, the Lord's Prayer, right? Like, so we see this exposition of the law, we see the repetition of the law and the prophets, and now we won't see that again, I don't believe. So we know that that section's ending. So it would have bracketed that that section mm-hmm. before translation committees did it for us right yeah and even if you look forward to matthew chapter 22 where it's where he's giving the 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 two greatest commandments or the the great commandment of love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind and then love your neighbor as yourself like and then right after that says all the law and the prophets rest on these and it's saying the same thing here and it's interesting. I'm in an Old Testament class, and I'm, I've just reviewed, you know, Exodus and Leviticus, and oh no, and all of those the and the, the Ten Commandments. And it's interesting. There was a section in, in the textbook I was reading of how the first, you know, half of the Ten Commandments are about loving God first, mm-hmm. and that it can be summed up 
if you love God, like it's going to be a whole lot easier to do these. Yeah. And then the second half of it is that's how you love your neighbor. It's like you shall not covet, you shall not murder. You like, and it's talking about those horizontal relationships. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, like those those five are going to be a whole lot easier to yep. do. Vertical and horizontal. Mm-hmm. And you know where we see that on the cross. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> or as uh, Solomon put it, um, there is nothing new under the sun. Yep. What has happened before will happen again, and it's. From Genesis to Revelation, you can see that throughout the whole theme of the Bible. That's good. Yep. All right. Well, we're we're kind of winding down here. Any any final thoughts or encouragement to to our listener of how to you know practically put this into um, into their daily lives or uh, big takeaways they can take with them this week? We'll start with you, Matthew. Uh, pray without ceasing. Mm. That Amen. is, and pray expectantly, but do not be sad if what you want does not occur. Yeah. Instead, rely on God's will is a perfect will and not your will. I would just reiterate, pray persistently, pray expectantly, and treat others the way that you would want to be treated. The biggest conflict with that is first you have to have that vertical relationship with God. Secondly, those um, like you were just talking about with the Old Testament law, when we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Those vertical relationships, when we consider how he's blessed us in eternity, right? He Not only in this life, but in eternity as well. Um, it, it makes all of the our horizontal relationships seem like um, really easy. Yeah. Right now, that's a big blanket statement. So let me just, I guess, reiterate. Um as difficult as our horizontal relationships may be at times, because God has blessed us so richly in Christ Jesus, he saved us, he sanctifies us, and he, he provides for us daily. We don't need to, not, not only do we need to not retaliate, but we can pursue relationships where we're treating others the way we'd want to be treated, from homeless people to difficult coworkers to um, people that we don't know, strangers. You know, it's like, there's no room for judgment or anything else because we wouldn't want that. Right. So we can pursue what we would want for others. That's good. Well, listener, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you were benefited by this conversation and uh, we pray that you'll be able to take this into your week and, and bless others with um, the blessings that God has given you. Um, you can join us on Wednesdays starting at 6 p.m. for our meal and basics study on, on Wednesday nights. And you can join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. But listener, thank you so much again. Until next time.